season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. My name is Jay Shriglin, and I'm the host. We're starting here with week number two of the Arkansas Stick Series we got going on. Four episodes this weekend. Going to start with episode number one of four today. Got Cubs prospect, 2022 ninth round draft pick this past couple months ago. Former Arkansas Stick, former Arkansas Razorback. Started an opening day there for a couple seasons for the Razorbacks. We also played football there at the University of Arkansas. We've got Connor Nolan on the show. Some great content today. Some great content this week in general. Um, um, besides today with Connor Nolan, tomorrow we've got Nolan Souza, 2023 Arkansas baseball commit. Saturday we got C.J. Richard, another Arkansas stick currently, 2023 Ohio State commit. And then on Sunday we're going to end it off with M.J. Seau, um, 2023 LSU commit. So like I said, great content all weekend. I'm excited to get rolling out here with week number two of this Arkansas stick series. Um, but today with Connor, we kind of discuss all his draft stories going through that 2020 draft where he was kind of expected to be drafted getting that draft from 40 rounds to five, uh, going through his mindset for the 2021 draft and then actually the 2022 draft where he gets drafted by the Chicago Cubs here a couple months ago. Uh, we talk about the advisor selection process and why he chose his guy. His advisor is a very, his advice, well, I guess agent now since he is a pro ball player. Um, his agent is very well known within the baseball industry, so we dig into that a little bit. Uh, talk about Coach Brewster and the Arkansas Sticks, just what that mean, what that relationship with Coach Brewster means to Connor. Um, just much more digging his entire career so far. Um, so really enjoyed this interview today. Hope you guys enjoy it as well. Um, so let's dig into it. Welcome back to the JKR podcast. Today we have Arkansas Sticks and Arkansas Raisin ba- Razorbacks alumni and 2022 Chicago Cubs draft picks. We got Connor Nolan on the podcast. Connor, super pumped to get you on the show, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I appreciate you having me on. I, I appreciate you coming on the show. I mean, it's not not all the time you get a Chicago Cubs prospect on the podcast, so. Uh, before we do get into it, I do have one question I like to ask everybody who gets on the podcast, which is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Connor Nolan? That's a great question. I, I mean, I think most people would know me by Arkansas baseball, but I think it goes a little deeper. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a normal person, too. I think everybody uh, in the athletic world would probably say they're, you know, a friend, a son, a daughter. Um, and I think that's really where it starts. But most most people probably know me by Connor Nolan, the pitcher. All right. So you you were in Arizona here these past couple of months. You're back in Arkansas now. So what's this offseason looking like for you? It's pretty long. I uh, threw a lot of innings in college. So I have about you know four months here to really work out and stay in Fayetteville. I'm going to get to train at the old facility at Arkansas and uh, get to use the weight room that they just built. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, what is that like? A, what was it like a $25 million project they put into that? I think it was closer to 30. I mean, everybody uh, th- threw money at it. JB Hunt, uh, Walmart. I mean, everybody came together and they, they put out a nice product. So you got, you were one of those guys who got to practice at the old facility and the new facility, right? Yes. Yeah. I saw both worlds. Yeah. So what was the difference there between the old facility and this new facility that everyone put money into? Uh, so different. I mean, the old facility was, I don't know how long it was there for, but you could tell it had been there for a while. Uh, you know, just the upgrades in the locker room, players' lounge. I mean, you get the, all the amenities that come together in that one spot in one building, and you don't have to walk all the way to the other weight room. And I kind of just centralized all your training, your eating, your studying. And I really think it was a great investment for the student athletes. Yeah, I was in Fayetteville for spring break, so in like March. And one of my buddies, apparently he says he knows you, Chase Eisel. Yes. He's one no my, chase. Yep, he's one of my buddies, and um, he, he, me and my, me and my one other buddy were in town, and he was like, "Hey, he's like, hey, I know that, I know the mascot here. He's gonna get us in uh, to show you the facilities, so you can kind of get a tour." But the mascot was like on, like out of town, or so, something was going on, so the timing didn't work out. But man, I was, 
I was looking forward to seeing what that that new Razorback facility looked like. It's something. I mean, they've been running tours through that thing for, uh, you know, the whole last semester I was there. Every day there was somebody new in there wanting to see it and uh, really just adds a new perspective for people that have never been in a baseball facility that nice. Yeah, it may, it just makes you think how crazy SEC baseball is. It's a lot of money floating around. I know that. Yeah. Um. So let's dig into the MLB draft process a little bit. So you're one of those guys who the COVID year kind of helped, kind of gave you a couple, couple draft processes. So kind of let's dig into it. Before you were drafted here in 2022, kind of take us through what that 2020 draft was, what the mindset was, and even this past year, the year after in 2021. It's really a difficult process. I mean, uh, you know, going into this year, I knew I had, you know, one opportunity really to have leverage still. Uh, knowing that I had a fifth year option because of COVID. Uh, so I really knew I had to go this year if I, if I wanted to get any money at all. But I also knew that I wanted to come back to Arkansas if things didn't work out. So I kind of had a lot of options on the table. And you know, the draft process is pretty crazy. Uh, they come in and they interview you during the season and before season. And you sit down with the, a lot of the regional scouts. And they pick your brain. They try to figure out who you are as a person, as a player. And then obviously they can evaluate the talent on the field. But um, after probably about midway through the season, I knew that I'd probably have a good chance to, to make it in the draft and you know try to make a career out of it. But yeah, when, when you start getting phone calls on the day, it really starts to get tricky and you got a lot of decisions to make in a short time. Yeah. So moving into just let's throw back to 2020 and then we'll dig into this year when you got drafted by the Cubs. So in 2020, you enter the season, you are the opening day starter, correct? Yes, I was. Okay. So what's your mindset there, knowing that you're a draft eligible sophomore? I mean, you're going to have a lot more leverage than some of the other juniors that are some of the juniors that are going to be drafted that year. Uh, what's your mindset as you head into the season? What do you, is the draft even on your mind at all? Uh, just take us through that and then kind of how COVID kind of came through and just kind of take us through that whole thing. Uh, it was going into that year, I knew I was draft eligible. I mean, everybody knows in the in the building that I was an older guy for my class. Um, so obviously I had the built-in pressure there, but I just wanted to perform. I mean, I had some big shoes to fill with Isaiah Campbell and Blaine Knight coming before me uh, in that Friday night spot. So I know I had to step up to the plate and, you know, we played, I think 15 games that year or maybe four series, but, you know, I got hurt in Oklahoma playing in the TD Ameritrade or it might've been the, the Houston uh, Astros uh, stadium and, uh, I was kind of down and out for a week. We played Southern Alabama. I was healing up, kind of getting ready to go again once we got into SEC play. And I think we were about to hop on the plane to head to Mississippi State. And they gave us a call. They're like, you know, we're not we're not playing. We're not going. And it's kind of when you just started to see everything unfold. And season got canceled not short after that. So, you know, all the plans go out the window. And, uh, you know, the MLB, obviously the whole world shut down. But you get into the draft and they cut it down to five rounds. So I, I didn't, I didn't think I was going to go, but I thought somebody might take a chance uh, just because I was so young and uh, showed good prospects in the, in the first four games, but uh, it worked out how it should have. And I got to come back to Arkansas for 2021. Yeah. I mean, it took, it took major league baseball a while to announce that they were moving it down from 40 to five there in 2020. So when you were away from Fayetteville, you were away from the team, um, was, did, a, did, it ever thought, did the thought ever cross your mind that there's a possibility that I could, I won't be a Razorback again, I'm going to be a pro ball player? I didn't really. I didn't have any real prospects coming in or calling me that were too serious. Um, I had a couple calls to sign a free agent deal, but uh, that wasn't something I was willing to do uh, in my position. And knowing that I had, you know, two or three more years to come back to Arkansas and live out that dream. So what, what was what was the mindset in 2021? I know we're digging into like the different drafts and different mindsets, but in 2021, the draft was shorter than that 40 rounds uh, previously. MLB kind of permanently put made it 20 rounds. Um, so what like kind of take us through that? Were there some draft? Was there um, some draft buzz that year, or did it all come down to here in 2022? Oh, there was some. Uh, you know, I didn't have a great year. I struggled with the injury all year. Uh, you know, came out of the pen a lot and. Um, you know, I, I tried to bounce back from that injury at the end of the season and I might have thrown two or three times that were good. And, uh, you know, I was just always trying to drag my way back into the starting rotation or, or just bust the rotation. And 
Uh, it never happened, but uh, I learned a lot that year, and I knew that I had to come back for 2022 after that season. It just, you know, all my hopes that I had and aspirations uh, just fell short, and, you know, that's part of it. That's part of baseball. You're never going to get what you expect, but it all seemed to work out. Yeah. So here in 2022, get drafted by the Chicago Cubs, have a great season there in Arkansas in Fayetteville. Um, so just take us through, when did you start to realize that, okay, I mean, I'm going to have, have a good shot this year. Um, what's your, what, like, what are you thinking as the season goes on? When do teams start reaching out to you more and more? Um, just kind of take us through that a little bit. It's pretty early. I mean, before the season even starts, you, you have all your pre-meetings and, um, you know, I had a lot of good meetings during that time. And, and it always seems that the teams that you talk to the most end up not drafting you, which is kind of weird to think about, but. I don't remember ever sitting down and just really getting harped on by the, the Cubs. But, uh, you know, obviously you go through the season and uh, we, we finished up pretty late. So they couldn't contact us um, during that time. But about two weeks after the season, you know, teams started calling and I knew that I had a good shot to uh, to make it in the draft. And, you know, you, you run there for two weeks, not knowing what's going to happen. Uh, you know, you have a lot of people in your ear telling you this and that, but I kind of just had to sit back, relax, and wait for it to happen. Yeah. So what? So when you're having some of these pre-draft meetings with teams, obviously I assume it's you, possibly your family, your advisor. Uh, just what's going on in these meetings? What are some like topics of conversation? Uh, what's going on in all these different pre-draft meetings? It's kind of just getting to get getting to know you as a person. Uh, there's a lot of personality tests we take, a lot of character tests, and then obviously it's just like an interview style. It's kind of like when you're applying for a job and you go in and they're asking you about your work ethic and what you do on the field, what's your routines, what do you like, what do you dislike? And they're really just trying to get a, a key in on you, who you are, and, and fill out a sheet to, um, you know, give them the best chance to make the right choice. Yeah. So were there teams that had different, um, what's the word, um, different strategies of going, again, of going about these meetings and talking to you and just getting to know you? Everybody has their different, um, you know, they have different questionnaires. They give you different testing formula or testing strategies, I guess you could say, what they're testing for. Um, but it really comes down to the interviews. A lot of them are different. Uh, there's not just one. And you're not going to every team and doing the same thing. They all have different questions for you and things that they key on. So how do how do these meetings change before so before the actual season uh, in 2022 this past spring and then as you guys as you guys as postseason uh, the postseason ended the college world series ended how did these meetings change a little bit like as you got to know the the area scouts and the um, just the front offices like how did these meetings evolve um, over time uh, once once you get into season uh, you know obviously pre meeting filling you out getting an idea of who you are after season it's really just trying to nail down obviously a number that it would take to get you in the draft uh, it really gets down to the the contractual side of of baseball so obviously with that with that fifth year being a possibility obviously money is a big topic of conversation when it comes to talking with teams but were there some other big decision factors that came in your mind of whether or not you'd be going to play pro ball or going back to Fayetteville for a fifth year yeah, the, I just needed the right team. Uh, I wanted to have a good fit for me, and I, I knew what teams that I wanted to go to. And um, the big thing for me coming back is I could have finished my master's degree uh, that I started uh, in the spring. So I had a lot of things to think about, a lot of different outside uh, variables, and I'm sure for everybody it's different, but uh, I know where my priorities lied and uh, had to make a decision based off those. So, so from what I hear, you're still doing your master's degree right now, right? Like you're going to be a pro ball player and doing your master's? I am doing that right now. See, that's the good thing um, that I had the opportunity to continue my education even even though I got drafted. So that was a big deal for me. So when when is it that you plan on graduating with your master's? I'll get it this spring. Okay. So how are you going to juggle? Obviously, I mean, you're going to be going through spring training those first couple months of the season. Uh, being a pro ball player, how are you going to juggle going through your major courses, which obviously aren't easy, and playing professional baseball against some of the best people in the country? See, that's a great question. I don't really know. I'm going to have to test the waters on that one. But, um, you know, I have a lot of a lot of good resources and people that, 
you know, if I need some study tips or uh, something like that, I, I can always reach out to them, but I'm just going to have to dedicate time. I mean, I'm just, just like anything you do, you put enough time into it and you set aside a, a schedule that'll work for you. Uh, it's pretty, it'll be pretty up in the air, basically off travel and what I'm, what I'm doing on the field, but I'll be able to get it done. Yeah. So we've talked about the pre-draft process here for a while. Let's dig into actual draft week. You're going through, you're getting calls from teams. Take us through what that first, that first day of the draft was like, what conversations were with teams. And then today, round nine's day two, isn't it? Uh, Yeah. Okay. I think so. Okay. So take, <laughs> take us through, take us through that day, that just day one of the draft, obviously. I mean, that's just the first 30 picks, I believe. So take us through what conversations like were teams with that day, then, and then what it was like actually the day you got drafted. Yeah. I mean, the first day I, I wasn't too worried about it. I knew I wasn't a, you know, falling in that category, but uh, you know, you, you turn the TV on and you're, you're seeing all these guys picked that you play against and uh, it gets you ready to, to have that nerve wracking moment to have the phone ring and, um, but you know, the first day I, it would have taken a miracle for me to go there and I kind of just tuned it out and waited for the next day. So when, when that phone call did come or the day, the day of the draft, when you were getting the day that you got drafted, take us through that. Were there some, maybe some phone calls going on that you thought you might've been drafted beforehand and then actually take us through that phone call. Who are you with? What was going on? What was being said? Just kind of from your side of things, being drafted in the ninth round by the Chicago Cubs, how did that happen? Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, it was a long day. They started on, you know, pretty early. And I actually just got out of workouts and uh, I got a call from my agent. And, you know, there's a couple of people interested earlier. I think it was around the, the fourth or fifth. And it just wasn't the right fit for me. So, you know, I, I said no. And uh, just kind of went through the rest of my day. I was kind of waiting around. I went to eat with my family. Uh, my mom was in town and we went and sat down. And sure enough, ninth round, ninth round rolls around. I'm eating, eating dinner there. And I get the call and figure out, you know, I'm going to take it. So we all hustled back home and, um, you know, flipped the TV on. And it was still about 50 picks away. So I had my grandma, grandpa, little brother, little sister, my mom, and some roommates here and kind of just waited, had it live streamed up to the TV and, you know, got to have that special moment with them. Yeah. So it was actually, it was like a couple of rounds before when you actually knew that you were going to be a Chicago Cub. Yes. I, I mean, in, I think I knew in the seventh round, um, you know, I had an offer from the Cubs earlier and it just didn't work out. And I think they were trying to nail down some guys before me. And I think they found an opening to where they knew they could, could squeeze it in so it, it all worked out in the end yeah that's crazy I guess I didn't realize that I mean I knew like I mean teams would call like the round before be like hey if you're available uh in the eighth round so-and-so pick will get you I guess I didn't realize that I mean I mean that's pretty cool that you're able to hustle home be actually have that special moment with your family and your friends I mean that's that's pretty cool yeah it made it great I mean I know a lot of guys that got called about five minutes before, or, you know, maybe even just two minutes because the quicks or the picks are just getting ripped off in that, uh, in that second day. I mean, they might have 10 seconds for each pick. Um, so it, it really made it easy for me and it kind of built the suspense because I, you know, they can tell you one thing and until you see it with your own eyes, it's not really uh, solid evidence. Yeah. So once you did get, once you did get drafted, obviously you had that good time with your family, with your friends, but after that, what happened? Like how long was it before they were flying you to Mesa to sign that contract? Uh, just what were those next couple of days like? It was a whirlwind. I mean, I think I got shipped out two days later. Um, you know, I was supposed to have my birthday party here in Fayetteville on the, on the 20th. And sure enough, I had to hop on the plane on the 20th. So I had to move those plans back and uh, you know, they got me out there at, you know, two days later, everybody was already there. And most of my other friends didn't have to leave till Sunday. So the Cubs weren't messing around in the, in that department. <laughs> yeah. So once you did get the Mesa, like you signed the contract, like how long is it until you're actually with some of your new teammates, some of the other draftees, and you're actually going through workouts with the Chicago Cubs coaching staff? It takes about four days. Obviously you have to do all your physicals and get your contract signed and uh, do all the paperwork that's involved. But, you know, after that, it's a pretty streamlined process to getting everybody on the field and in the weight room. Um, so we were all there, all 
I think there was 13 at first that made it in the first wave. And, you know, four days later, we were suited up, ready to go. So having a pretty long season in Arkansas, going to the College World Series, pitching quite a bit this past season, were you kind of shut down once you got to Mesa, or were you actually still doing some live ABs, doing some games with the rookie team? Uh, what were those? What, what did the day to day look like when you were in Mesa? I was shut down. Uh, thankfully, I, they gave me a little rest. You know, I threw a close to 120 innings in in college, so um, they said it was probably best for me to slow it down and. Uh, not be in any games, but, you know, once I got there, I, I started throwing again, but it was just light uh, to build up for bullpen. So in, in the day to day, I would get there, um, you know, warm up, throw very light. I mean, it's an initial buildup. So it probably takes a month to get to a point where I'm ready to, to throw a bullpen. Um, but, you know, we just work out every day. It's, you know, Monday through Saturday, work out, run, uh, eat there it's a it's all in the same facility and that's what I appreciate about the Cubs is their facilities are so nice um, you know you always you never know when you go to the minor leagues what that's going to look like especially coming from Arkansas where we just built a 30 million dollar facility we have all these resources that come together and uh, facilitate for us so um, you know just having that same structure there has been helpful yeah I so Growing up, I was actually, I actually was a Cubs fan. So in 2000, I chose the worst year to go, but I chose 2017, the year after we won the World Series to go to Mesa and check it out. I mean, my dad and I's plan were to always to go, but um, it just ha happened to be the year after we won the World Series. So obviously all the bandwagon Cubs fans were there. Like it was, I mean, it was an awesome experience, but really it was just like so crazy busy. And I, when I was there, I got the chance to go to the other, what is it, other 13, other 14 different facilities within within that like small region of Phoenix and in Arizona. And I would say Mesa and then maybe like Camelback Ranch where the Dodgers and White Sox are at. I mean, I mean the Cub the Cubs do it right. I mean, obviously they're one of the wealthiest teams in Major League Baseball. So I mean they should, but no, that Mesa facility is is pretty legit. Um, but this this is gonna be a loaded question here. So what is the biggest difference? that you've seen and you've recognized from obviously playing pro ball well, being pro ball, being there in Mesa with all the pro ball players compared to when you were in Fayetteville uh, in Arkansas with some of those, uh, with some college ball players. Uh, the biggest thing I see is just, there's not a coach standing over your shoulder making you do everything. I mean, it's your career. You have to decide that you're going to work hard or not work hard. And I think a lot of guys figured that out. Um, you know, you don't have a coach making you finish your reps, making you, make so many throws it's kind of just up to you I mean it's it's uh definitely a different world that you step into but if you have the right mindset it's one you can take advantage of and that freedom can uh really accelerate your career yeah so going through this draft process going through um your first your first half I guess half season or season of pro ball you weren't alone you had an advisor slash agent that was by your side kind of helping you through this process and like I said before, that's what I'm trying to be as an agent once I do graduate here from Indiana. Um, so I kind of like to ask players just about their agent selection process, how it all went down, why they chose their guy. Um, so when exactly was it that agents and advisors kind of started reaching out to you? It really starts in high school. I mean, a lot of guys get hooked up with an, an advisor and, you know, maybe a region guy, regional guy that's with other high school prospects in their area. And I played for the sticks. So we had a lot of highly touted guys that already had agents. And that's how I met my advisor, Craig Rose. Uh, you know, I've known him probably for six or seven years at this point. And it, mine was really simple. I mean, he, he was around us all the time. And um, I knew friends that were already, um, you know, using him as an advisor. And, you know, once we got linked up, it, it kind of just went from there. But, you know, it, and once you get into college, advisors reach out. Um, that's what they do. They try to make connections. And, uh, you know, I talked to a lot of guys and uh, the, the connection that I had with Craig and our history really drove the um, where I am now. Yeah. Well, when I was talking to Brewster, he I believe he said Craig was in his wedding. And I've, I mean, with me being an aspiring agent, I mean, I'm always on the scowl, just looking at different agents and their different agencies and, you know, just kind of get an idea of what the industry is like. And when he said Craig Rose, I was like, oh, like, I mean, I've looked him up multiple times. Like he's a, he's a pretty big agent when it comes to the baseball world. So, I mean, he's, it's, it's cool to see that he's kind of connected with the, 
the, the Arkansas sticks. Um, but when you did have other advisors reaching out, like how, what were, like, how were they reaching out? Was it in person or were they like sending you texts, getting your phone number? Um, how exactly were some of those guys reaching out to you? It's just mainly in person, you know, they'll, they'll be around uh, either scrimmages or around the university and you run into them and the other guys have different advisors. So uh, you kind of have that, that mosh pit of people that are collecting in one area and, uh, you know, you just shake a few hands and you get to meet a lot of new faces, which is good. I mean, I think the more connections you make in this game is, is better for you. And in the long run, it always works out if you're um, accepting the, to, you know, meet new people. Yeah. So when you did have, you said you did have a couple meetings with some other guys, but realized Craig was your guy. So when advisors would like have like a meeting or like just kind of talk to you for one-on-one for a while, what were some topics of conversation that they were, that, that they would go about? I really didn't have any other meetings. I just had, you know, a few handshakes here and there, but you know, those conversations, I'm sure it's more just what they bring to the table. I know I, I have a couple of buddies that, you know, they had meetings with advisors and, you know, they kind of have a sales pitch to, as to why they are uh, the guy you should choose. And I think the big, biggest thing for a lot of people is people want an agent that is going to focus on them. Uh, you get bigger guys that uh, they're not going to get you a glove, a sneaker deal or anything like that. So you want somebody that's going to focus on you and not just pass you down the line. And, you know, once you get up to the the big leagues, you get taken care of no matter what. But in the minor leagues, you got to find a guy that's going to be dedicated to you. Yeah. So now that you and Craig have had a good relationship now, you said for five or six years, um, like what, like how often are you guys in contact with each other? Like, is it a, like a day-to-day thing, week-to-week? How often are you generally talking to Craig um, since you guys already do have a pretty good relationship established? Yeah, it's pretty much week to week. I mean, we'll check in every week, see how stuff is going. And I think he does a great job of uh, caring about his players. I mean, he's, he's got a lot of guys, but uh, he builds good relationships. And, um, you know, he's on the he's on the come up in the in the agent game, I think. Uh, that's it's kind of crazy to see some of these guys that he's had for five or six years finally make it up to the show and. Uh, kind of shows you how he does his his business and his relationships. I mean, it's been a long process for a lot of those guys, and he's stuck by their side. Yeah, it's crazy. So this past year or so, like I've been able to interview some of like the top like high school prospects and just get to know like how their advisors have reached out, or even put. I mean, I had met a couple advisors as well, and it's crazy to see how early some um, some advisors are starting to build relationships with guys. I mean, me as a 24 graduate I'm starting to worry we'd be like man like I need to start building relationships with my first draft class like now even though I mean I'm still in college like it's it's crazy to see um just how early that is and how and how often people are building relationships in the game of baseball the game's changing a lot I think you know the high school prospects are you know every year it seems like there's more going in the draft and you know, they're putting out top 100 boards on the 2029 class already and stuff like that. So it's like, uh, if you don't adapt with the game, you're going to get left behind. Um, I think the game's just trending that way. They like young guys that can develop into their own, their own teams. And I guess you better get on top of it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, so prep baseball report, actually, they released their top like 15, 20 guys for each state um, for the class of 2026 the other day. And it was just like, I was like, holy crap, like this is, it's, it's, it's cool to see, but also like just crazy. Um, but um, as you, as you leave Mesa now, you said you're back in Fayetteville. Uh, what's your plan here this off season? What are you, tr- what are you planning on focusing on uh, going to see some family, staying in Fayetteville, maybe do some in-person classes? Like what exactly is, um, are you doing here as you head into the off season? I'm just doing classes right now. Working out is the biggest thing. I mean, I'm not throwing right now. I'm kind of shut down, but. Uh, just getting the work in, uh, you know, they send us our programs and I can do all that stuff in the facility here. Um, but, you know, outside of that normal routine, uh, I'm just watching a lot of hog football and uh, kind of enjoying a little R&R for a little bit. Yeah. So before you actually were a, a pro ball player, obviously you played in the SEC, played for Arkansas. So let's dig into your Arkansas experience. You actually were a two, two sport athlete or was it one or two years? Uh, when just you're one. In state, though. one okay so let's take us through what your schedule looked like being a football and a baseball player um and just how like how mentally challenging that was 
it was a challenge. That's for sure. I don't think I would do it again if I had the opportunity, but um, you know, that first semester was pretty, pretty easy. I was just doing football, um, you know, going through the, the motions that, that are normal for that. Um, but I didn't ever step on the baseball field until, till the spring. So, you know, I go through that first season and, um, you know, we, we struggled that year. We had Chad Morris as our head coach and um, we had some other coordinators that I really liked. And, you know, I, I enjoyed my time that first year. It was a grind. It was a struggle, but, you know, being on the football team and playing for the Hogs is always one of my dreams. So I'm appreciative that they gave me that opportunity to do that. But, you know, after that last game ended, we played Missouri and uh, they had the press conference after the game and I had to go to it. And they, all they asked about was baseball, <laughs> which was so interesting because we just got beat, I think, 42 to seven or something crazy. And all they could talk about was baseball. But, uh, you know, I took a little break uh, during December and then I got right into baseball. We just hired Matt Hobbs as our pitching coach and me and him were kind of coming in at the same time. So it kind of worked out. We had the two new guys on the block and uh, we kind of just got right into it. I mean, I was throwing, I think, three or four weeks later off the mound for spring ball, trying to earn a spot as a starter. And, you know, I didn't really think anything was going to come out of it. I kind of was going to go out there and wing it and stuff started to click. And there I was sitting there first weekend as a weekend starter <laughs> my freshman year. So, I mean, so how was it, how, what did you have to do to prove yourself there I mean, in that short period of time? When was it that you realized, okay, like I'm actually, I actually have a shot to be a, a weekend starter as a freshman? It was probably the third scrimmage we had. Uh, I think I went three or four innings of solid, solid baseball. I think I gave up like one hit and, you know, I was just producing. I was throwing strikes. I wasn't throwing hard. I wasn't doing anything crazy, but I was getting outs. And I think the the coaching staff saw that and, saw the ability to use that to, to their advantage. Obviously we had Isaiah Campbell and, uh, you know, Patrick LeClander was a starter at one point during that season, I think later, but we had a lot of different guys that were rotating through that rotation. And I think I was kind of one of the pieces that came late, but they knew I could fill up the zone and uh, that's really all it takes at the end of the day. Yeah. So how long was it after that last football game that it started to cross your mind that, Maybe you just want to be a baseball player, not not playing football and baseball at Arkansas. It didn't hit me until we, I think it was right after Omaha. And, you know, we had that experience and I was like, wow, you know, <laughs> this is what it's like every year. I want to be a part of it. Um, but, you know, I had I had a great year in baseball as a freshman through a lot of innings, got a lot of experience. And, um, you know, I knew I had to dedicate myself if I wanted to continue to have success and you know, having two sports was not going to be an option for me. Just the time consumption in the fall and not be able to throw, I'd be, you know, really squeezed down to having a month to prepare myself for a full baseball season and the tax on your body and uh, the mental stress of school. It just wasn't going to be humanly possible, I don't think. So would you say it would be different for a position player to play two ways? Because obviously for a pitcher, you have to work your way, your, work your arm up to strength. Uh, do you think it would be different for a position? Obviously, the scheduled time constraints would still be the same. But do you think the preseason, like the January, February, do you think it would be not like a, a little easier for a position player? Or do you think they'd have to kind of go through the same struggles? I think it'd be harder for a position player to do it. Um, you know, they're at the field so much longer than we are. I mean, our position guys were, were there for three or four hours a day. And pitchers were in and out. We throw, we lift, we leave. Um, so, you know, I, I think the time constraint wouldn't be the biggest thing and you can't get all your swings in or your fielding. And uh, I just don't think there's a way to to really excel in both uh, being a position player. I'm sure there's somebody out there that's athletic enough to do it, but um, I don't know if it's been done before. Yeah. So once you did decide to just focus on baseball, how quickly was it that you started to evolve your game a little bit quicker? And what were just some ways that you were able to get better um, just being a baseball only athlete? It probably took two or three months. Uh, the biggest thing was just getting in the weight room. I could focus my summer and uh, all my training into being the best baseball player I could be. And, you know, I switched my schedule of lifting and what I'm doing in the weight room. And um, obviously, the buildup for uh, my throwing was a lot slower. Um, so I could take my time, really learn how to pitch instead of just going out there and throwing the ball 
over the little white diamond in the middle. So I learned a lot about the game in those coming months. And I think that was really the big difference going into 2020. Yeah. So going through, going through your four years at Arkansas, just how much, like how, how appreciative are you of the university of Arkansas and the baseball coaching staff? Just how, like overall, like how much do you appreciate your Arkansas experience? Uh, I, I, I don't know if, where I'd be without this place. I, you know, they gave me a good opportunity here and I have no regrets about anything that, that happened in those four years. I had uh, a time of my life. I got to play on a great baseball team. You know, I got a, got my degree and, you know, I made a lot of really close friends that I'll have for a long time. And, you know, I tell people this all the time. Uh, there's a lot of places you go in the country, but Arkansas, it might be in Arkansas, but it gets overlooked a lot. And this place is so special for so many reasons. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful campus too. A lot of people don't know it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was, I definitely was, I was expecting to be on campus and then a mile down the road, see a big old, big old hog farm or something like that. But no, it was, when I went to Fayetteville, it was a cool place. Um, what's that, what's that one road that's kind of like, has all the, the bars and restaurants on it? Dixon Street. Dixon Street. Yep. So what next yeah. time I head to Fayetteville, what are some of your recommendations you have for me? Uh, I mean, I think piano bar is fun. If you like, you like piano players and singing, that's a good one. Okay. Um, I, I got all the suggestions, actually. I like, I like that. Uh, that. That's probably my favorite, though. I think if you're going to go to I one have, spot, that's kind of. Uh, some of the freshmen who are there now, they're recommending me uh, some food trucks on Dixon Street. Um, I know when I, when I was with Chase, so I was under 21 at that point, and we were, like, debating if, like, my fake ID would work at Piano Bar. So we ended up, we ended up not going. But, no, Piano Bar looked fun. So next time I go to Fayetteville, that's definitely one of the stops I'm, I'm going to go stop at. But yeah, you, you got to make it in there at least once. Okay. Well, that's, that's my, that's my first stop when I head there next. All right. So before you actually got to Fayetteville to play for the university of Arkansas, you played for the Arkansas sticks and kind of the reason we got connected through coach Brewster. Uh, so kind of take us through um, just getting connected with the Arkansas sticks. I know it was kind of later in your travel ball career. Um, so just take us through your whole Arkansas sticks experience. Yeah, me and, me and Brewster got linked up, and it was kind of a struggle because I played football, so I didn't have too much time in the summers to really sneak away. And, you know, once baseball ended, I kind of went straight into football mode. But, you know, I would fly in for one day and uh, throw for them, and uh, then I'd fly back home to make it back for football practice. So it, it was a fun experience. And the one thing I will say about playing on that team is you meet so many guys that are in the game right now, and have continued their careers into the into the pros or still playing in college. So yeah. uh, it's kind of cool to see everybody progress from, you know, playing as a junior in high school to going all the way to, you know, the minor leagues or some guys that are in the big leagues. Yeah. So how would you say your relationship with Coach Brewster is like? Oh, it's great. He's, he's super fun. Uh, he always reaches out and he's very supportive of all of his guys. Uh, he, he makes great connections and um, you know, he invited me to his wedding and I, I probably won't ever live this down, but I didn't make it down there for it. So I hope he never gets remarried, but uh, if he had another one, I'd go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I like coach Brewster. I had a, I had a couple of his players on like in the past before this whole, like before me and him kind of connected. And ever since I've gotten to know him, I had like a two hour conversation with him um, for the interview. And I just, I think he's a great guy. Um, I think he's, I don't know how to like every, every, everyone in the Arkansas sticks program just seems like they're just great people. And from just being like an outsider looking in, uh, just talking to him, talking to Landers, um, all the other guys who are connected with that program. Like, it just seems like all you guys are like just great people and uh, just great people to talk to. Um, but before you played for the sticks, like were you committed to Arkansas at that point or was it kind of afterwards after you played for Brewster that that whole recruiting process began? I think I was already committed. My, I committed my junior year. So, um, you know, I, I think that I was, I might be confused. I might, it might've been my senior year, but, you know, I started getting recruiting as, as a freshman and, you know, I kind of had a couple offers before we got linked up, but uh, a lot of guys, that is their exposure that they get is playing for the sticks and uh, they do a great job of getting guys to, to the next level. 
So with you being a baseball and a football player, like I said, I'm going to go ahead and assume your recruiting process was different than most baseball players who are just going to college for base, just for baseball. So kind of take us through what that recruiting process was and kind of how the timeline of your baseball recruiting matched up with your football recruiting. Yeah, football kind of came first. Uh, I think I got my first offer from Arkansas State my freshman year, you know, going in the summer of my freshman year, going into sophomore year. and uh, It kind of kind of kick-started from there. You know, I started getting some offers, and I didn't really pay much attention to it because I hadn't even stepped on the field yet. So I kind of had some stuff to prove before I, <laughs> I really got too concerned about it. But, uh, you know, once I got to, to my junior year, I – uh, went, went into the summer and, you know, I, I said, I need to go see some schools. And I wanted to go to Arkansas since I was little. I mean, I've been a big fan and, um, you know, that was always the place where I wanted to be, but I wanted to make sure that I was making the right choice. So uh, me and my dad loaded up and I think we hit 15 different schools in 16 days or 15 schools in 14 days. It was something just unbelievable. Um, so we hit Florida, North Carolina, Michigan State, Northwestern, um, obviously Arkansas, Tennessee. I mean, there was just a long list. So, uh, you know, I got to see everything. Uh, I went to football facilities. I went to baseball facilities. And that was what was cool about my visits is I got to do both. Um, you know, I got to meet both of the coaching staffs and go through both, both facilities and get the whole rundown uh, because I intended on playing both at whatever school I went to. But, you know, we did that whole trip and I came back home and I, I knew I wanted to go to Arkansas, which kind of seems like I, I might have wa wasted 15 days. But, um, you know, I, I knew that I made the right choice that I wouldn't have any regrets. So for after that trip, obviously, you said you went home and kind of knew Arkansas was the place. But were there, were there a couple other schools that maybe finished a close second or a close third? Yeah, I, I really like North Carolina a lot. And, um, you know, I visited Northwestern. And I, I loved that place. It was super cool. They were building a new facility at the time, and it, I think it was getting finished up in 2019. So uh, that was a big thing. And they have a great business school. So that was kind of appealing to me. But, uh, you know, uh, sometimes it, all it takes is going up the road 45 minutes to Arkansas. Yeah. Well, hey, I mean, not going to Northwestern, not going to Chicago at that time. I mean, maybe here in these next couple of years, you'll be in Chicago anyway. So it won't matter. I hope so. <laughs> but... <laughs> So besides, so besides, uh, well, you said you went on the trip and you kind of knew Arkansas was the place you wanted to be. So kind of take us through what those final decision factors were and overall, what was it that made you choose Arkansas? Yeah, I just, I thought I had the best opportunity to play both sports here. Um, you know, our, our baseball team is very fortunate that we get to fly around on chartered planes and we're back and forth. So the big thing was I could, uh, you know, play a series and then come back for spring practice. And um, that was, that was really the thing. You know, I could, I could make it back. And they had so many resources for school, um, you know, being in the situation I was in, I needed a lot of help uh, with time management, study halls, tutors, stuff like that. So they had all that to offer. And, you know, I liked the football coaching staff and thought I was in a good place there with the depth chart. So I uh, made the final decision. Yeah. So for most of the most of the ACC Big Ten schools that you went and visited, most of those baseball schools, they travel through bus, right? I think most of them do. I know there's a lot of programs that are Division One that still still do. Obviously, you have your major players that um, or your bigger teams. I'm sure that LSU and you know Florida, and I'm sure there's some t teams out east that are that are chartering, but I don't know of many that we have one bus trip a year. Um, and it's up the road to Missouri State or to Ole Miss. And, okay. you know, it's more of just a bonding thing than a lack of resources. <laughs> <laughs> so you said for football, you uh, you were on a good spot in the depth chart for um, for Arkansas. You did end up playing quite a bit your freshman year, right? I played in four games. I was still redshirted, but, um, you know, I got a lot of in-game experience, and I started one game uh, against Tulsa. Okay. So when it comes down to your actual on the field play on the baseball field, uh, kind of take us through what your pitching repertoire is like and what maybe your best and maybe even your worst pitches. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not a guy that's going to overpower you. Um, I'm not a flamethrower. I wish I was, and I wish I was left-handed, but if I had everything I wanted, I guess that would be, you know, lacking the, the hard work and the dedication needed. But 
Um, I throw a sinker, four-seam fastball, change-up, curveball, and a slider. Um, and, you know, this year I use the curveball a lot um, to get people out, get strikeouts, produce weak contact. So I'd say that was my best pitch. And my worst pitch is definitely the change-up. Um, you know, I had a tough time developing one and didn't have much control over it. But I paired it with my sinker this year and uh, really just leaned on the sinker to get that movement away from left-handed uh, batters and get weak contact to the left side. So I kind of got away with not having one, but in the future, I'm definitely going to have to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So just a couple more questions here before we end it off. Um, usually I kind of like to ask a couple other beyond the field things uh, when I'm interviewing some of the, some of you baseball prospects. Um, so when it becomes beyond the baseball field, what are some things you like to do? Maybe you'd say some of your passions you have beyond the baseball field. Yeah, I mean, this is a big thing for uh, athletes right now is just finding something to get away from the game. And for me, it's hunting and golf. I mean, at some point, you got to get your mind off everything. And I play a lot of golf. Uh, pitchers, I know any pitchers that yeah, play at the next level, you got to play golf. You got to get out there and uh, you have your off days. And uh, we go we go swinging around. We'll play 18, maybe 36. We're, I mean, I play as much as I can is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter how many holes, but uh, being out there in Arizona has been nice because there's no shortage of courses. Yeah. What's the, what's the best couple courses there in Mesa? Uh, you know, obviously where they play the, uh, I think it's the waste management. Um, I think that course is probably a top notch out there. I, I only played a few here and there, but we played it in Camelback and it was a, it was a good little trick. I didn't play very well, but, I had some fun. Yeah. Who are generally some of the guys that you're playing golf with when you're, when you're down there? Uh, I played with uh, Mason McGuire and Kate Horton uh, once, and then I uh, played with a couple of my buddies from back home that were out visiting. Yeah. Kate, cause Kate's a, Kate's an Arkansas stick too, isn't he? I don't know. You know, I, I never was on his team. He was, I think he's two years younger than me, so I don't know if we ever crossed paths in that. I think – see, I think I saw Brewster post about Cade uh, when he was doing, like, all his former players who have been drafted. So I believe he was a stick. I can't, I'll have to – I'll have to ask Brewster. But, um, yeah. no, I'm – as a – like I said, I, I am a Cubs fan. My family's been Cubs fans for a long time. Obviously, I can't be a, a specific team fan once I become a, an agent. But, no, I'm, I'm excited um, with all the pitching prospects, including yourself, that we have coming up. I'm looking forward to the maybe four or five years down the road once this once this rebuild finally finally hits and we we, we get all the, our guys up in the majors. I'm I'm definitely looking forward to seeing all you guys at Wrigley. Um, but one last question. So you kind of most of the time I interview a lot of high school top prospects. So this question is like, what brand would you like to do in the future? But for you, you got the opportunity to work through name, image, and likeness these past two this past season. And now you have the opportunity to endorse a brand as a professional athlete, uh, whether you, uh, uh, brands are reaching out to you or your agents reach out their brands, whatever it happens to be. But would, what, what would be one dream brand that you would love to work with um, as you continue on in your career? This might sound weird, but Lululemon would be oh. my, my choice. It might be, might be kind of out there, and I don't even know if they're doing athletes yet, but uh, it's pretty much – uh, that that would be a dream dream for me. Uh, I like their stuff and they make a good product. I mean, obviously, I think Nike would be a second choice just because they're the biggest brand in the world. I think, but uh, a Lululemon might top the list. Yeah, I mean, you you Arkansas guys must be. I mean, Lululemon must must just be huge there because, I mean, really, I always thought Lululemon was like a was just like a girl brand. Like I never realized they did stuff for men. And now, I mean, you have to be like the sixth or seventh guy to say it. And I, I can't remember who all said it, but I would say the majority of them are in the Arkansas, Missouri, that whole area right there. So, I mean, they must be doing something right. I'll have to go, I'll have to go to a Lululemon store uh, and go, go check out some of their stuff. And you need to, it's, it is top notch. I love it. They make, they make good products, but that is surprising that other people have said that. It might just be a Southern thing. It might be. I mean, maybe here in the Midwest, I guess Lululemon doesn't get that far. Maybe we're maybe our Midwest people are too redneck or something. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, I don't think I don't think it's that. <laughs> all right, Connor. Well, that's all the questions I got for you. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, best of luck here this offseason as you kind of continue to evolve your game. Best of luck next season as you go to your first full pro season. 
Um, if there's, if you do end up in South Bend, South Bend's like 25 minutes away from my hometown. So I'll definitely be able to be up there to go watch you play, get you some podcast merchandise, uh, wear that around to all, for your Cubs teammates to ask you, Oh, what's that? And maybe you get me connected with them, but we, we um, can get that done. Okay. All right. I'll have to, I'll have to make sure I make it up to a game. Uh, but like I said, really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Had a lot of fun, man. And that's going to do it for another episode of the JKR podcast, episode number one of four this weekend. Had some great content today. Hope you guys all enjoyed it just as much as I did. It was really great learning and learning about Connor's career and just everything that he's been through when it comes to the draft, playing football and baseball at Arkansas, going through the advisor selection process while playing for the Arkansas Sticks. Um, so I'm, I'm a big fan of Connor now. I was obviously a big fan already, um, but no, are, are a huge fan of Connor. Hopefully he's up there in Wrigley here in a couple years. Um, hopefully he's in South Bend next year. Get to get, you know get him some uh, podcast merch like we talked about there as we ended off. But um, with that being said, don't forget we've got three more episodes here on the Jake Hare podcast this weekend. Tomorrow we've got 2023 Arkansas commit Nolan Souza from Hawaii, um, and then Saturday CJ Richard 2023 Ohio State commit. And then ended off on Sunday, we've got MJ Seau, a two-way player going to LSU next year. Um, so just some great content all week. It's got some great players here. I uh, just want to thank Coach Brewster for set, helping me set this all up. I'm really excited to just keep digging into his organization as a whole and everything he's built so far. Um, but just for any more updates on the podcast, for who's coming on, a little bit of um, just – previews of episodes of recent episodes just make sure to check out our website and our social medias social media is going to be at jkr underscore podcast on instagram twitter and tiktok website is www.jkrpodcast.com uh, but with that being said uh, that's the end of today's episode i'll catch you guys tomorrow for nolan souza and you guys have a great day